Hi guys and welcome to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast in partnership with Koan, the dedicated OKR software. Today we've taken a look back at our first series of Giant Talk. We've taken a fresh look at this series and really wanted to revisit the content from our first series and work on it to create a toolkit or an OKR's 101 series, if you like. So first off, let's introduce who's with me. So Roger, I'm coming to you first. Hey, Jim. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, good, good. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm really pleased to be doing this. Uh, I think it's an important thing to do because we we kind of looked at the stats, realised that, you know, our first uh, season gets a lot of, a lot of listens uh, because I think we kind of cover some of the basics. And to be honest, I think there's a way that we can kind of make that a little bit more focused um, and and also you know, bring it up to date because it's a good couple of years ago since since that was recorded as well. So a refresh doesn't do any harm. So really excited to be doing this with you today. Great, thank you. And we've also got Lawrence with us as well. Lawrence, do you want to introduce yourself quickly? Yeah, thanks, Jen. Um, so good to be here. Good to have you taking over as host <laughs> from me. Um, my my reign has ended and Jenny is now taking over. So I'm sure a lot of the people listening already recognise my voice if they've been loyal listeners to the podcast. Um, but outside of the podcast, I'm the head of OKR projects for Derby Giants. So um, look after probably 75, 80% now of all our projects from uh, biz dev to close um, and, and alongside Roger and, and some of our other colleagues at Derby Giants. So that's my background and what I do for the business. Great, thanks both. Um, so you kind of initially said what you do individually, but who are TBG? And TBG, as far as I should say, is their be giant shortened. Who, who, is, who is TBG? Uh, so uh, we, we've been around for 10 years in, in, in one form or another, and we really honed in on OKRs about five or six years ago. Uh, that happened because uh, I was doing a lot of work with uh, senior teams in tech companies who were putting a huge amount of effort into uh, into building great plans and great strategies. Uh, but then they tend to just grind to a halt after that. It's like the energy just drained out of it. And I, 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 they got frustrated and, and I got pretty hacked off as well. And so being a naturally curious guy, I was wondering, well, you know, some businesses are really good at, executing against the plan some businesses are really good at making things happen so what how do they do it differently what are they doing that the majority aren't um, and through that research uh, i discovered okrs and um i'm not going to go into the history of okrs here and now but unsurprisingly they came from tech sector silicon valley such like uh, and uh, what they represent is a is a fantastic way to focus and and really align the efforts of of teams across the business on the activities which are going to drive the greatest value for the business or the organization over a given period and that could be around profitability it could be around productivity it could be around uh, seeking investment it could be around uh, breaking into a new market it just depends on you know what you define as your priority within your strategy for that given period. But wherever they, wherever that priority lies, you can use OKRs as the spotlight 
to shine on that priority, which immediately draws the attention of, of those that can contribute to it towards that priority. And the, the methodology of, uh, of, of OKRs helps those people who are going to contribute uh, sort of break down and understand what that contribution looks like and how success is measured against it and so on and so forth. Great. Thanks, Roger. So we've touched on kind of what are OKRs and obviously we could speak about for days for probably about what they are, but just to kind of hone in on a couple of points. So how can they make people specifically awesome, I guess, is what we're trying to ask. Make people? Yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm going to expand this, if I may, and expand it to people and teams, of course. if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so how OKRs can make people awesome is that one of the things that drew me to OKRs in the first place was that they are genuine. If they're done well, they're a genuine win-win, not just for the business, but also for the people and the teams that are working with them. Because unlike the way that a lot of management by objective activities have been done for decades, uh, they are very much focused on tying together and, and, and really uniting teams behind common objectives, behind shared objectives. And often those teams are not necessarily traditional functional teams. Often they can be cross-functional teams, which means that you get a lot of, uh, certainly in the way that we use OKRs, you get a lot of breaking through traditional silos and getting you know, people united behind a priority rather than people being you know remaining native to their function uh, and and we've seen that really transform performance and what this helps for, for for people at an individual level is it really builds and strengthens that sense of purpose because they can see the impact of the activity that they are doing uh, rather and and this is a, a really important distinction between OKRs and how objectives have been typically set and measured and so on and so forth in the past is that objectives, their focus, well, particularly the key results, are focused uh, very much on uh, on outcomes. So those being measures of impact. So we're not interested in you, uh, you know, shipping 100 widgets by the end of the day. What we're interested in is what what happens as a result of that shipment. You know, is the client satisfied? Does it mean that our that the stock is now in shops so it can be sold? You know what that that's just shipping hundred widgets is just a tick in the box. What's the impact of shipping that hundred widgets? That's the ultimate end goal. And when you start talking in terms of outcomes, that changes the whole conversation around what you know. It creates a far more empowering conversation because if if as a leader you're saying, I want you to. Um, I want you to boost, uh, you know, customer satisfaction by, I don't know, 50%. But I'm not going to tell you how to do it. You guys, the customer satisfaction experts, you guys go away, work out a plan for this, and then let's have a talk and see and, and see how it looks. That's a far more empowering conversation. Um, and it's not about going... It's not my job to, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna be slopey shoulder and pass this off. This is about recognizing that you have the expertise. Oh, and by the way, I'm gonna give you the resources and the time and the space in which to do that as well. Um, but it's a far more empowering conversation. Lawrence, did you want to come in on that one? Yeah, I think just to kind of build on what Roger was saying and and maybe 
summarise it a little bit, um, <laughs> is that it allows people to see what work is going to drive the highest impact because they finally have visibility of what the strategic priorities are of the business. So there was a piece of research done a few years ago between um, big companies in the US and, and, and at Harvard um, between the decreasing rate of strategic understanding as you go through managerial levels of organizations. Uh, and what was found is that the very top team, i.e. the one setting the strategy, only 51% of those members of the top teams could name the strategic priorities of the businesses. And after that, it fell off a cliff. So at senior executive level, it dropped to 22%. Middle management level, 18%. Frontline leads, 13%. Could name the strategic priorities, which means that 87% of people working in the business, the frontline leads, had absolutely no idea whether the work that they were doing on a day-to-day basis was in line with the strategic priorities of the business. So what OKRs are there to solve is connecting those dots, connecting the daily work to the growth, change, and innovation projects that the business wants to work on. And that's what's going to make businesses awesome, and that's what's going to make people awesome, because they're working on the relevant things. They're not just working on... um, command and control what they've been told to work on they can see that link great thanks both um i think we've kind of really touched on it a little bit from what you both kind of said on that last answer but i just kind of wanted to touch and drill down a little bit more on kind of how okrs make businesses more purpose-driven so i'll come to you roger on that if that's okay yeah sure so i think lawrence has probably um touched upon that in in his in, in what he was just saying but um you know, you make a business purpose driven by, I think, aligning its people to that purpose. <laughs> um, the, the process of creating OKRs starts with creating, um, you know, those company level OKRs, which tend to be typically on a 12 month cycle. And they should reflect, as Lawrence was saying, the priorities within the strategy. And once that's clear, and, 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 and by framing them as OKRs, you're starting to introduce a common structure and, a, and, and a, it, to a certain extent a common language around that. That makes them far more transparent and it makes them far easier to kind of understand. Uh, and as a result of that, that's what then helps to build, uh, or it's certainly the first step in building alignment. It's not the only thing that builds alignment, but it's certainly the first step. Uh, and so, you know, as you start to see all these teams uh, that are going to be contributing towards uh, achieving the OKRs start to become aligned in, in what they're going to be doing to, 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 to work towards them, that's how the business becomes aligned and focused on its purpose. So, you know, the purpose is effectively broken down and defined as OKRs and then that's then easy to get a you know get traction that's easier to get traction against than just saying our purpose is this you know if you state our purpose is this in a in, you know in a vision or 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 or, 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 or a mission statement that's all well and good but then each member of the business or each team might have a different idea as to how they're going to achieve that and you know the OKRs can get can bring clarity on how the business is going to achieve that. Lawrence, did you want to jump in on that point? 
Yeah, I think Roger has um, illustrated really nicely how OKRs make businesses more purpose-driven, but I think we should just touch really quickly on why that's important. Um, you know, what's what's the intention behind it? Why are businesses now striving to achieve that? Um, and I'm, I'm starting to sound like the stat man here, actually, but survey recently by, by the New York Times um, derived that those who um, those who take meaning from their work are three times more likely to stay at their organization. So if businesses out there are wanting to grow and innovate, they have to retain top talent. They have to retain top talent, which means that they've got to provide this purpose. Um, you know, employees that are aligned with the company's purpose and they understand that they're being driven towards purposeful work on a daily performance um have 1.7 times higher job satisfaction than those that don't um and 1.4 times more engagement at work um and the the same the same study fed back that 73% of professionals who identify as purpose driven are satisfied with their jobs and obviously that job satisfaction is going to lead to to staying in the jobs and not looking for other work and moving moving around the the career ladder as it as it were um, and the retention of top talent is something that I don't know about you, Roger, but I find every single client talking about at the moment. How can we? How can we retain the top talent? Attract them, yes, but retain them as well. Um, yeah. And and being purpose driven is at the very core of that, which is why this is so important. Yeah, I think some some organisations place place pretty much the same level of importance on retaining top talent as they do on you know retaining clients. <laughs> and, and, and so they should because the talent will retain the clients for them exactly exactly koan is a purpose-built solution for managing your okrs helping your teams achieve their objectives getting them aligned and absolutely helping them stay engaged sharing spreadsheets simply doesn't scale when you're trying to grow a business with koan you can scale okrs across your entire company whilst keeping the teams motivated and moving in the right direction. Now, Lawrence, there's lots of things we love about Koan, but tell me one of yours. So I've got to say one of my favourite things is that Koan just allows you to have a bit of fun with the OKR process. Yeah. Um, in, in series two, I think it was episode three of this podcast, we actually <laughs> spent about half an hour, 40 minutes, talking about the importance of making OKRs fun for your team. Yeah. Um, and, and Koan allows you to do that perfectly. Yeah, you know, even just things like adding a, a gift to to your reflections adds some real personality. And I think I probably waste far too much time each week looking for the perfect gift, to be honest. But <laughs> it, it allows that fun throughout the organisation, and that's something that's really important if you're going to keep people engaged. You are known for having the best gifts. Thank you in, very much. In the team, definitely. <laughs> so, if you would like to find out more about how to make OKRs fun. Uh, whilst using a great system, then pop along to uh, koan, that's K-O-A-N dot co forward slash giants, where you'll find also a great paper that we co-wrote with them on how to build accountability and collaboration using OKRs. 
I wanted to touch on kind of why OKRs have become so popular. And I think we probably have touched on it on those last few answers. But if I could ask you for kind of the top reason why you think they've become so popular, I suppose that's where we could really drill down on it. So, Rog, I'll come to you first. No, no problem, no problem. So if you're familiar with the diffusion of innovation curve where you've got, you know, the innovators and the early adopters, what that suggests is that you need to reach an idea or a product needs to reach about sort of 17 to 18% uptake or market penetration before you reach that tipping point of rapid adoption. Yeah. Now, I've been saying for a couple of years, I think OKRs are kind of teetering on that on that brink of uh, 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 that, uh, that tipping point. And uh, I think what's happened over the past 12 months with the pandemic and the change in working practices and the move uh, to remote working for a lot of organisations and teams has only served to accelerate that significantly. Because one of the great things about OKRs is they are a great way for keeping teams uh, focused and keeping te- and giving giving teams. Uh, a, a a a regular if you're using okrs well you know they should be underpinned by regular discussion and regular habit and that communication and touch point with remote teams is super important so having that and having obviously shared objectives as as kind of like the purpose for that for that regular conversation is re- is really really uh, important with remote teams so i think okrs have gained a lot of interest and we've seen that with obviously you know the amount of interest and and and, uh, and work that we've done over the past twelve months. We've only seen, we've seen it, you know, increase, uh, in, in, you know, almost double in size uh, with the work that we've done. So uh, yeah, I think I think and also I'm going to say one more thing. I think one of the other benefits for organisations is it introduces a degree of agility and adaptability around how they execute against their plan. So by bringing in shorter timeframes. Uh, but still with a degree of certainty because people know we're working to, say, three-month objectives and we know that we're going to reset those in three months and so on and so forth. There is a degree of stability in that people know the routine, but there are those regular review points where we know we can pivot, change, we can learn from what we've from, from this current three months and play that into the next three months. You know that test learn and adapt is, is 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 vital for building up that agility. So, I think given all the pressures and all the the threats, and also for some, depending on your sector, the opportunities that the last twelve months have thrown uh, have thrown up for us all, I think having that agility of execution has been super important. Super important. Great, thanks, Rog. Um, I suppose some of the things you mentioned there around kind of communication and checking in and that test, learn and adapt, they're all kind of lead me to think about how do you manage your OKRs and kind of is there a system? So um, something I wanted to ask is why is it important or why do you think it's important to have a system to track OKRs? Because if you're more than just one team using OKRs, then um, a spreadsheet kind of hits a brick wall very quickly. Um, it becomes a monster if you're trying to uh, input data, if you're trying to interrogate it to get reports out of it, and um, it's very easy for it to, you know, just fall apart. The formatting goes up the wall, and it's just a nightmare. And you only have to Google OKR software to find that there's plenty of systems out there. And we really like Coam. 
And, you know, and the reason for that is because we are big believers in our methodology around the power of regular conversation and regular team check-ins. And Koan is designed to really promote and support those. So that's why it gets our vote. Um, and, uh, you know, if, you, if you're not uh, systemizing your OKRs, then you're missing out on a, on a, on a, a really big chunk of potential value. Because the data that you get from your OKRs can really help to drive your agility. You know, if you want to have a smooth transition uh, and, a, and a quick transition from one quarter to the next, you don't want to have too much downtime. You want to have as much OKR uptime. So therefore, you, you don't want it to take as long to reset from one quarter to the next. If you've got good quality data that's coming from your check-ins, then that can actually help you plan, advance plan with a degree of confidence. So therefore, you've got a really good idea as to what your OKRs should look like for the next quarter, even though you've not quite finished this current quarter. You know, so and, and a good system allows that to be captured and tracked without creating a huge you know, industry around it of creating additional reports and slide packs and yada, 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 which can just, you know, swallow up uh, loads of management time so yeah I'm a big fan of systemizing big fan Lawrence I'll bring you in there yeah thanks Jen um, so Roger's absolutely right of course but I think the one thing that he's not mentioned there which is a absolute cornerstone of OKRs is transparency um, you know transparency is fundamental to the success of OKRs um, from being able to see what the top level goals are to what other teams' goals are, so you can root out dependencies um, to see what your um, your direct reports OKRs are, so you can keep track of those without having to micromanage. Without a system to show that and do that, transparency will just fall off a cliff. Even I've seen uh, people spend months creating the most beautiful spreadsheets you could ever imagine, <laughs> and after the second update, they're a mess. Yeah. They're a mess and, and they stop using them and everybody stops using them because it's more effort than it's worth. But if you've all got spreadsheets, we might have a spreadsheet for our team. Jen, you might have a spreadsheet in marketing. Um, how am I going to access your spreadsheet to see if what you're working on has any dependency to what I'm working on? And if we are going to use a spreadsheet and have it all on the same spreadsheet, we're going to have 45,000 tabs at the bottom of the spreadsheet for each team's OKRs because we're going to pretend that that means it's transparent because we can click through them all. Um, but we're never going to come off our own tab because you'll get lost. Mm. Um, so as Roger says, as soon as there's more than one team using OKRs, you, you really have to have a system that's going to show that alignment, allow you to see what the company's vision is at the very top that we're all aligning into, allow you to see what the 12-month OKRs are, allow you to start to understand what the cross-functional relationships are that are going on in the business. Um, and it's vital that the system shows that because as soon as it's difficult for people to update their progress on OKRs, as soon as it's difficult for them to, for managers to get an understanding of where their teams are with their OKRs, OKRs will fall off a cliff because it's easier to do it the other way. It's easier to just go and ask people if they can't access the data really quickly and see it presented nicely back to them. Um, and, and a lot of people make that mistake. Completely agree with Lawrence. I think the measure of a great system, whether it be an OKR system or, or, or otherwise, is its 
uh, is almost how much does it blend into the background? Does it almost become invisible? Because it's easy to use and it's just the way that we work around here. The minute that a system becomes clunky uh, and starts creating more work than the value that it delivers, then that becomes a barrier to adoption. So you absolutely need a nice, simple, easy to use OKR system, simple as that, just to help them to, uh, help it work. It generates, so long as it, like I say, it delivers more value than than, than the effort that is required uh, to to keep it running, then then you're quids in, you're in benefit. Great, thanks both. Um, so we've touched a little bit today on kind of what are OKRs and how they can make people and businesses awesome and purpose driven. Um, and that's what we'll continue to do. We'll continue to tell you more about OKRs in this look, fresh look at series one. But I just wanted to touch on kind of the purpose of the podcast, Rog, because some people will be listening to this for the first time. So what, why should people listen and tune into our next episode? Because we're really interested. <laughs> no, I mean, we've, uh, I mean, we started this nearly two years ago and, um, our, you know, we were three years into working with OKRs then, we're another couple of years in. We would be hypocrites if we weren't continually evolving and developing our own ways of working and our own knowledge. Of course, our experience grows. And we just, we love sharing it. Um, and, uh, you know, there's there's a, there's a huge amount of uh, interest in OKRs out there. Some organizations are really embracing it you might find a ceo who reads you know john doe's book and kind of goes right let's do this or you might have someone in an organization who's kind of very lonely uh in in beating the drum for okrs and so if they have something like this behind them that you know without spending any money they can start to kind of hear more about it and you know we can help to to shape and guide their thinking around how best to use them then I'm happy. I'm happy. Lawrence? Yeah. Um, as, as Roger said, you know, the the next few episodes of this series are really going to be the nuts and bolts of OKRs. But what, and we're, we're re-recording those in, in line with the evolution of our methodology. But I think what Roger's not touched on there is there's another, what, 30, 35 episodes to come after these of <laughs> people working with OKRs, having implemented OKRs in their business, businesses of all shapes and sizes. Um, and every single one of them has a unique story to tell and something to learn from. Um, you know, we we have done a lot of OKR implementations now as business, uh, but we, we've not done every OKR implementation in the world. Um, and so we've got these stories to tell and, and people have great stories about how they've tweaked it for themselves, what worked for them, what didn't work for them. Um, and for anybody going through any sort of OKR implementation or well into their OKR journey, um, there will certainly be something valuable to take from each episode, I'm sure. Perfect, thanks both. Um, so that's the end of our conversation today. Um, next time we'll, on our next episode, we'll be looking at the difference between OKRs, business as usual and KPIs. So thank you both for joining me and we'll see you next time on Giant Talk.